Is it possible to get students to think about and act on sustainability issues? We'll find out today on this episode of the Thought Provoking Podcast. We'll also hear about a unique program that combines sustainability, student research and job readiness, and helping disadvantaged students. And it all started in a class on the geography of clothing. This is Shelley Kaiser, and joining me today are Vanessa Slinger Friedman, Professor of Geography here at the College of Humanities and Social Sciences at Kennesaw State University, Jason Rhodes, Lecturer of Geography, and Britt Pickering, Director of the Al Swap Sustainability Initiative. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having us. Vanessa. I know you are quite involved in sustainability here at KSU, and you do research on how to teach students to become sustainably minded. So what drew you to these topics? Well, I think sustainability is a topic that should really be addressed across all disciplines. I think there's applicability to every discipline um, to consider sustainability um, as part of uh, teaching within the curriculum. Geography, by its own its nature, is uh, focused on the human environment interaction. That's an actual sub branch of uh, geography. So um, I had already my my master's work and my PhD work uh, really was sustainability focused. I looked at uh, agricultural system in Brazil for my master's work, and then looked at ecotourism um, in a, on a Caribbean island for my PhD work. So I really had that focus already through my research. Um, and it was just a natural uh, extension to put it into my teaching. So I read a paper that you and a number of your colleagues at KSU um, wrote about teaching sustainability. And um, in that you talk about teaching students to become environmentally emancipated. So what does that mean? Um, It means to really think critically about sustainability and environmental issues and to actively get involved in them so that by becoming aware of the issues and thinking critically about the issues that they can actually take an active role in changing the way things are done um, throughout all the disciplines. Oh, okay, very interesting. And that that goes into my next question. I know your paper talked about that employed an active learning approach. So what is active learning and how can that contribute to making students more sustainably minded? So active learning is truly about being student-centered. So you have students that um, go from being kind of passive receivers of information um, and turn them into um, active participants in knowledge creation and um, learning from actual experiences. That goes along with what your paper said. I love this quote. It said, planting the seeds of sustainability means learning by doing, not learning by osmosis. And then you talked about how students become knowledge producers instead of information consumers. Um, And you talked about students becoming change agents. So how does that really happen from the type of experiences that you talk about in your paper? Sure. Um, So, I mean, I I guess I could give a couple of examples. Um, That paper focused on, for, for my discipline, focused on the Owl Planet projects that I implement in my local and global sustainability course. And through those projects, students 
get involved in um, looking at an aspect of sustainability at the university, at Kennesaw State University, researching what we're doing, researching kind of best practices um, can be locally, globally, and then coming up with um, some suggestions or ideas for how we can improve how we operate um, and be more sustainable. And this can be in the arena of recycling, um, water use, um, transportation, I mean, any, any aspect of the university. So um, then, so once they have that information, they follow that process, then um, they can actually engage in putting that solution in place on campus. So one example is uh, the sustainability, KSU sustainability map that was produced by a student who was a geography and GIS student. Um, she developed that project through that class, through the Alplanet projects, and now KSU has a sustainability map that we can use, um, that people can access on our uh, websites. So what's a sustainability map? Is that like um, just kind of a mapping out where all the, the projects are or? So it maps out uh, any aspect of sustainability that we have at KSU. So it can be anything from um, uh, curriculum resources. So where do you find, which departments do you find sustainability courses taught all the way through uh, where, where can you um, access uh, drinking fountains that have the uh, spout that allows you to refill a bottle um, so that students are being sustainable. Um, they, they're carrying around their own single use, uh, not single use, sorry, multiple use water bottle. We want to avoid single use um, right. and refilling that as opposed to using tons of containers throughout the day, plastic containers throughout the day. And there are many um many different projects going on around here. You talked about in that paper, it was interesting. It wasn't just geography, it was a number of different places. And I know in architecture, um, they they started a lead lab. So can you tell us a little bit about what the students in the lead lab did for the learning process? Yeah, sure. Um, so the lead lab, uh, I don't know how many people know about lead certification, but it's all about using sustainable materials, um, the, pretty much the whole process uh, of designing and building a, a uh, any kind of construction that you're using best sustainability practices, using a good use of your resources, and also how you design your building, making it most environmentally sustainable. And so the students in the architecture course um, learned about LEED certification, but then actually applied it uh, at Agnes Scott University because um, LEED certification is not allowed within, it's a bit controversial, it's not allowed within public and state universities, but we could, the professor for that course, um, uh, Professor Ed Akins, um, he was able to work with Agnes Scott students to um, implement it on a building at that university, which is privately funded. Okay, yeah, I, I thought that, that was interesting. Partway through the project, it became kind of illegal to do what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> I could have guessed, right? <laughs> right, creative workarounds. Yeah. Um, and the great thing is that the students not only got the academic knowledge of LEAD, but then they were actually able to implement it. And I think in a way you create 
a, a much deeper type of learning that is very long lasting when you do things with um, active learning in mind. Right, not just learning about it, but actually putting it into practice that yeah, really get down into their brains a lot better. Um, and the next project was engineering and um, the KSU engineering department. I thought that was that was probably a really good thing to get them involved in sustainability because some of the decisions they make, the projects they make um, cannot live them. So it's really about long-term um, you know, impact on sustainability. Um, they created an eco partners initiative. What was that? Um, I was not as involved with the eco partners initiative, um, but the professor Ronisha Worthy, who was involved in that project, was involved in that mainly. Um, what was really interesting about that project um, or her work with active learning was that they actually had students that got involved um, with campus organizations, student organizations, campus partners to look at, um, once again, ways to improve sustainability across KSU. Uh, they actually worked out at the KSU field station. At that point, it was called Hickory Grove Farm. And uh, they worked on building a chicken coop. I saw that. That was interesting. <laughs> yes, that was mobile. And they also worked on um, building beehives. So uh, all with the idea of sustainability in mind. Yeah, that was really interesting. Yeah, so the engineering of the buildings um, and the sustainability of, of the um, you know, movable chicken coops and, and rebuilding the bee population. Nice, yes. nice combination. Um, then, you know, it really surprised me that marketing was included in the sustainability projects because when we think of marketing, we think a lot of times more about profitability and less about sustainability. So. What, how did the marketing professional sales department at KSU incorporate sustainability with marketing? Um, yeah, so Dr. Maria Kellamas um, had an, she um, was creating, she used that faculty fellows program to develop a green marketing course. And the idea behind it is that the students would take on the role of um, almost like apprentices and learn by being on the job. Th those are kind of some ideas that she had and uh, she, the course had not actually was developing the course during that period of time it ha actually had not been implemented uh, or taught actually physically taught but the idea behind it was to have the students do a sustainability survey um, and so learn about survey design um, data collection and data analysis and then actually design a campus-wide sustainability um, awareness campaign. So, um, and that, 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 those were the active learning components of what she was planning to put into place in that green marketing course. Um, and I think one of the things that kind of all of these pieces do is connect how faculty and staff interactions with students can really, um, positively influence uh, student success and make them lifelong learners and, and make them really critical thinkers so that they can learn about the issues and the challenges, but they can also be super creative about coming up with solutions and implementing solutions um, even on their own campuses. And this makes yeah. them much better, I think, em employees when they get out to the real world. 
Definitely, they have some real experience doing some things. And, um, you know, you talk about all of these things. How do we, um, what are some of the things that can be done to promote more of this type of experiential learning um, where students really become these active participants? What would you say to people interested in incorporating this in their own um, teaching? Uh, it's definitely challenging. It, it Initially and pretty much throughout the process, it is more time consuming. Um, but I, I think the rewards are worth it. And I think it's very exciting. It really is what gets me super excited um, every semester to interact with students and have them participate in knowledge acquisition and, and um, knowledge application. I, I just love that part of what I do. Uh, so I, I think there's some pretty obvious ways in terms of internships and directed applied research opportunities that students can take part in. Um, being part of student groups, uh, encouraging students to do that, I think that's an excellent way to get them involved in a more extracurricular way. Um, within courses, I think faculty should could, could potentially think of creative ways of not changing the course content, but just thinking about how they can have students apply that course content in more active learning uh, ways. So how did a geography of clothing class lead to one of the biggest and most visible sustainability programs on campus? We'll find out next. This is Shelley Kaiser. I'm the host of the thought-provoking podcast and also communications manager for the College of Humanities and Social Sciences at Kennesaw State University in Kennesaw, Georgia, just outside Atlanta. Kennesaw State is the third largest university in the state and a Carnegie-designated R2 doctoral research institution, placing it among an elite group of only 6% of U.S. colleges and universities with either an R1 or R2 status. It's also one of the 50 largest public institutions in the country. The College of Humanities and Social Sciences is the largest college at KSU, with over 400 faculty members and over 7,000 students. It houses 11 departments and schools with more than 80 programs of study. Our show features the amazing researchers in our college and their amazing and thought-provoking research. The geography program that was talked about in that paper was um, ALSWAP. And um, Jason, I know that comes down to, that came out of your class. So you have a very interesting class called Geography of Clothing. And um, you know, when I think of classes in geography, I usually think of world geography, African, geography of Africa, you know, real place named. Um, so it's very interesting that you're doing the geography of a thing. So what inspired you to start a class like that? So I guess it was several years ago, uh, pretty soon after I uh, started teaching at KSU that I was asked by my department to teach a class called um, uh, Perspectives in Geography. Uh, well, it's called Social Issues, Perspectives in Geography. And I said, that sounds interesting. I'm happy to teach it. Um, what's the content of the class? And I was told, whatever you'd like it to be, um, which was both, you know, a, a great opportunity. Um, it also meant a lot of work in terms of, you know, starting a class from scratch. And so I decided that I wanted to come up with um, topics that I was personally interested in exploring further um, and also, you know, topics that I thought the students 
would be interested in exploring. Um, and I guess I've always been very interested in that kind of taking what I would call the geography of everyday life, um, the geography of uh, everyday acts of consumption or things that we do each day and finding, uh, you know, finding the connections and tracing them back to the people and places where they originate. I think that's fascinating for everybody. Um, and in the world that we live in today, that often, uh, you know, connects us to pretty urgent issues of uh, human rights and environmental uh, issues of environmental sustainability. And of course, in fact, that that is what we find uh, when we analyze clothing and where we where our clothing comes from. And it really was um, something that was pushed by students um, as we started to explore those topics and read books about it. Um, you know, the students were first fascinated, but then they they said to me, well, what are we going to do about it? Um, and that thought actually hadn't quite crossed my mind. What was I going to do about it? I was going to finish the class and go home. You know? right. um, and, um, and so it, it started, it, it's something that students really took the initiative. And actually, um, Britt, who's with us today, she was in the first geography of clothing class. And about halfway through that class, um, you know, one of the students, it was probably Britt, but, you know, one of the students said, hey, can we, can we do this again? Can we do this next semester? And I said, what do you mean do it again? You know, how do you do a class again? <laughs> um, and I said, well, you know, what we would really be interested in doing is doing a semester where we now explore practical solutions to some of the problems that we've been discussing. And literally half the class signed up for that second round as uh, directed studies, and they produced OwlSwap. Um, and, you know, Brett will be talking a lot more about that. But um, OwlSwap, I think, has become one of the most visible um, uh, student organizations on campus. And they're, uh, when we're not in a global pandemic situation, their regular clothing swaps draw literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of participants. And it's, you know, the idea of swapping clothes as opposed to going to the store and buying this incredibly resource intensive uh, you know, uh, product, which as we studied the geography of clothing, we've learned that the current model for the fashion industry is to create disposable fashion or what we call, call fast fashion. So the idea is that, you know, you sell things incredibly cheaply. Um, and but, they fall apart two weeks later. Right. Despite the low price, uh, the companies will make tons of money because, yeah, as you say, two weeks later, um, it's no longer something that you choose to wear. Um, and so the, the uh, clothing swaps create an, a real alternative as opposed to just wringing our, wringing our hands and saying, wow, this is terrible and feeling bad about it. Um, it gives students an opportunity to, um, to consume clothing in, a, in an alternative and sustainable way and also allows people to continue enjoying fashion. I mean, if, if you really love to get 10 or 20 new outfits every semester, you can do that. You can do that by participating in OwlSwap and you are actually helping the environment. Um, and I, and you know, we tried to, I think there's been a conscious effort to create, um, I, I would say owl swaps are more fun than uh, going to the mall and, and swiping your credit card. They're definitely cheaper, but there's also a real community aspect to it. Um, just like going to a farmer's market makes you feel connected with your community. I think participating in an owl swap makes you feel connected to the campus community. So it, it came out of that class. Um, and it really was something that students embraced and pushed me to move forward with. So the focus on the clothing industry had to do with um, the social justice issues. Is that why you picked that and, and, and really went with that because of those issues that the garment workers face? 
Yes, and I think it's kind of been a theme of my own, um, you know, scholarly interests is, and something that I often talk about with students is that, you know, if you want to analyze um, social justice issues in your society, I think the best thing to do is look at basic things like food, clothes, and shelter, things that every single society that has succeeded in the history of humanity has had to deal with. And, um, you know, I, I guess I often say that every society has a 4th of July. I mean, you could go to North Korea and you would hear ringing pronouncements about human freedom. Um, and so I think it's often best to disregard that flowery rhetoric and ask, you know, how do we make and distribute our clothes? How do we make and, and uh, distribute our food? Um, no society is perfect. And I think being a good citizen is to look at the way your society does that and says, how can we do it better? And so um, looking at where our clothing comes from, I think gives us a real opportunity to say, um, there are ways that this can be done better. It really is threatening the environment. It's not sustainable. We will not be making and distributing clothes in this way and on this scale 20 years from now because it simply can't be done. Um, and then, as you mentioned, yes, uh, looking at the issues of, um, you know, not just low wages and overwork, but forced labor. I mean, that's something that we learned about uh, in our class, something that was new to me, uh, forced labor and cotton all over the world. Um, you know, when we think about forced labor and cotton, that's something that we think ended uh, with the Civil War. And it's it's kind of uh, dismaying to find that it's still with us here in 2020. Um, but there are international movements um, that are raising awareness against that and fighting against it. And it's been inspiring to see KSU students get involved in, in those movements. And so the Alice you know, while they're a fun alternative uh, means of um, consuming clothing, they also raise awareness about those kinds of issues. Jason, you're making me want to take your class. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, there is also a research component related to this, um, related to Bangladesh. Can you tell us what their research component is? Sure. Um, it, you know, it may have, actually, Britt, did we, in our first class, did we have that um, uh, partnership with the university in Bangladesh? I believe we started that as part of the directed applied research. Um, so that was really cool. To, we connected students and consumers here to garment workers in Bangladesh and allowed them to ask each other questions and almost interview each other. And then we've continued that relationship with Brock University in Bangladesh, uh, working with undergraduate and graduate students to do research on the environmental issues, the health issues um, that garment workers face, and just the industry as a whole. And we have a couple of those interviews up on the Alswap website. Oh, wow. Okay. I can put a link in the show notes to the Alswap website so people can go and learn more about that your program too. So if our listeners want to learn more, check the show notes for a link to that. That would be great. And yeah, I was trying to remember exactly when it was in the process of the course development. But so it's probably when I was teaching that first class, Brit's class, that, you know, as as I was myself exploring this um, issue, I, I read a book uh, called Broken Promises of Globalization, the case of the Bangladesh garment industry by a professor at uh, Brock University, which is in Dhaka, Bangladesh. And you know, I just had this idea and I thought, you know, maybe that professor would be interested in um, partnering on a project. And so I emailed him and, you know, pitched this maybe crazy idea that um, we could have uh, my students would come up with questions that they would be interested in asking garment workers and um, his students could actually go talk to those garment workers uh, in 
Bangladesh, and he enthusiastically um, uh, said, yes, I'd like to participate in this. We actually got a, a, a very generous um, $300 contribution from a local business owner. Her name is Nancy Van, and she owns a used clothing store in, in Kennesaw called uh, Ecology. She's been a great supporter of OwlSwap. Um, she, she now funds OwlSwap's entire annual budget, um, which is fantastic. But she sent $300 to Bangladesh just to pay, uh, to pay, defray the students' expenses as they conducted those interviews. Um, and so they interviewed garment workers, they uh, video recorded them, and then they you know, undertook the painstaking work of translating those interviews into English and sending them back to our students. Um, and that has been a project uh, that from that first $300 um, donation from uh, Nancy of Ecology, we then got um, two years in a row, we got um, small grants, but over, over $2,000 each year from the academic journal Human Geography, and that has continued to fund this program. And I actually just this morning got um, another interview sent to me from Bangladesh that um, for the first time actually has uh, the subtitles in the video. Um, and so we can post that to the OSWAP website and you can link, link that to your program. Oh, great. So that sounds like a really neat international cooperation involving community partners, students, um, really exciting programs. How does OWLSWAP help disadvantaged KSU students? And what's next for OWLSWAP? That's coming up next. Don't forget to join us next month when we'll be talking to Kerwin Swint about his research on mudslinging and the dirtiest election campaigns in history. And of course, we'll be talking about how this year's presidential campaign compares. Is the Trump versus Biden campaign season more brutal than when Thomas Jefferson and John Adams fought for control of the White House? Join us next month to find out that and more. Britt, you were one of the students in that initial Geography of Clothing class who initiated this OwlSwap program. Can you tell us how you and these other students came up with this idea? Um, I think it was part of partly Jason, but then also just the class as a whole. We're like, how do we were so disheartened by what we were learning? And it's kind of sad to just like sit there and hear all these things. You're like, okay, but what can I do about it? And a lot of students think on like a big scale, like, oh, let me raise a bunch of money or do something to make things better. But we decided, what can we just do here on campus? What can just our small group of students do? So we started with a small clothing swap. Because um, like Jason said, the human rights issues, environmental issues, all the things surrounding clothing, you really don't realize how much is tied to what you put on every single day. Um, so we started with the small clothing swap and then it's just blown up from there. Uh, so we have yeah, hundreds of students attending the swaps. We have a sustainability film series now, sustainability book club. Uh, we have a professional clothing closet for students in need, uh, emergency needs response program for students lacking access to resources for clothing. Uh, it goes on and on and on. So <laughs> since I started and I did an internship running OwlSwap and I've graduated from KSU and now have a full-time position at the university running OwlSwap, um, we've just continued to grow and grow. Yeah, it's wonderful. And and I've been to an OwlSwap and it was really great and um, nice to see everybody participating. And and it was run by mostly student volunteers. Is that right? And And um, internships, I think, are, are part of it, too. So um, how do students benefit from what do they learn as being part of the NALSWAP? So I think students really benefit because 
they get to actually take action and help and do something that positively impacts not only our community here at KSU, but I would say globally, it has a positive impact. Um, so by getting involved, they learn about sustainability, they learn about the industry, uh, they get to help students at KSU. Um, we even teach mending and upcycling at the swaps. Um, you just get a nice sense of community and you have everyone from professors to students to staff members, like everyone's coming to the swap and it's really cool. And, and um, I'm sure some of these um, skills apply to future jobs that they may have. Oh, absolutely. I had two interns over the summer um, and they helped totally rebuild the websites. They learned how uh, to map a website, how to create content. Uh, they worked on social media projects. Um, I have digital design students creating flyers, uh, people helping run write sustainability reports. There's so many skills that students gain just from being involved. Wow, that's wonderful. And I know you mentioned briefly there, but there are some important benefits to disadvantaged students who um, participate in LSWAP and other parts of the program. So how does it help you know, some of our more disadvantaged students? Absolutely. So students who are lacking access to clothing and other resources, they get free tickets to the swaps. So they can still come and participate um, without having to give up any of their clothing items. And it's all anonymous. So you could have tickets left over from the previous swap and no one would know that you didn't bring items to the swap. So we give those to uh, KSU Victim Services Office, uh, the LGBTQ Resource Center and Care Services. And then those case managers give it to the students who need it most. Oh, that's great. You know, I know I saw that ALSWAP has another partnership with a local nonprofit that even helps more with sustainability here at, at KSU. Can you tell us what that is? Yeah, so we actually have several relationships with local nonprofits. We have textile recycling and donation bins on campus, so we take those items in and KSU students sort them. Um, but for clothing items that maybe can't be donated uh, for KSU students or to other local charities that we work with, like Hope Through Soap, um, they go to this nonprofit called Reloom, and Reloom employs low-income and formerly homeless individuals. Um, they're actually a part of the Initiative for Affordable Housing, and they'll strip items back down to the thread and reweave them into new products. So we've actually, out of that relationship that started with Alswap, um, we've expanded that to the whole university. So we now have a university textile recycling program. So all KSU excess or um, something with like the KSU old logo gets sent to Reloom stripped down and turned into a new KSU product. And so we're not only helping the environment by reducing the uh, waste disposal of those items and the cost of waste disposal, but we're employing someone in the meantime and helping a nonprofit and then creating these really cool upcycled items out of old KSU flags and t-shirts and banners. It's really, really neat. That is really neat. Um... Uh, just coming full circle around there. Yeah, it's almost like a closed loop economy for all the university textiles. Yeah, so um, you mentioned briefly too, you, you even on top of all this, if, if that wasn't enough for Alswap, you have a film series and a book club. What What's that? Is that student focused or? Um, everyone's invited. Uh, we actually have alumni and other professors from different colleges attending the book club. Of course, it's all virtual right now. Um, and then the film series this year, we're going virtual and actually partnering with students at UGA uh, to run that. But it's all sustainability focused and it's not specifically focused to clothing. Um, we, our films have ranged from talking about coral reef issues uh, to fashion, but all kinds of different things. Oh, interesting. And um, what's next for Al Swap? I heard that you are moving. 
Yes, we have a new office space. I want to be able to get more office space, but space is limited on campus. But um, we're wanting to expand and in a post-COVID world, have a, basically a free shop where students can come in um, if they need items and then expand our professional clothing um, assistance for students in need. So they don't just wait for the swap to happen, but if they wanna check out a blazer for an interview um, or something. And then that's also where we'll run our emergency needs response program, which is where students submit a, a form anonymously online and we gather all those items for them. But just to have the storage and space to have to house all those items. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully continue to expand. And I think Vanessa showed me your space before and it was pretty crowded. <laughs> right, Vanessa? Yeah. Um, I just want to note, that although we're not fully set up and functional yet, but the new space will be in Willingham Hall, um, room 128. Okay. And I know that right before COVID happened, you had sent out a, a, a request to staff to send in some professional clothing. Um, I'm sure that will re uh, get going again back on campus. And um, I think that's great that we can provide those things for students who may need them. Yeah, we had a lot of those items available at our February and March swaps, and it was great to see students trying on blazers and helping each other pick out what tie would go best. And, you know, it was really, really neat to see them helping each other prepare for interviews. So if someone's interested in supporting OutSwap, what, can, what kind of things can they do to support your program? That's a great question. Uh, of course, we want to encourage everybody to come out to the OutSwaps and attend the film series um, and participate in the book club. Um, organizations like this really need financial support also. So Alswap um, would definitely love people to consider becoming a sponsor or donor to Alswap to support its, its initiatives. And um, so, yeah, we need money. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's definitely something everybody needs. So, and this is a real worthwhile cause. So uh, I'm just really impressed with the Alswap program and all that it has done for multiple um, aspects from sustainability to helping disadvantaged students to giving um, great uh, research that students involved in, student training for future jobs. There's just so many benefits of this. Um, and congratulations on, on doing that, folks. I think that's a great job. So any last words of wisdom for us? Um, I think maybe I can tie all the pieces together. I think Alswap is really uh, exemplifies the idea of putting active learning in place, taking it from a classroom setting like Jason did, and then having active learning, actual experience by students. And it just shows the power of what that type of learning um, has on, on affecting change. It, it creates students who are empowered, who are advocates, um, who are activists. Um, and in the long run, the end result is we have students that succeed, that they not only come out with skills, the transferable, very tangible skills that are important in real life jobs, uh, but we're also giving them, we're, we're clothing them as they uh, go for these interviews for jobs and internships. So I, I think it's a pretty exciting initiative. Um, and I, I just, I'm so proud of uh, Britt and Jason and love working with them. Very transformative learning for sure. And Britt is a, an example, a real life example that she got involved in this due to her um, 
involvement in that class and, and the experiential learning opportunities you gave her. So thank you so much for being here today. This was a fascinating look at the OWL swap and um, thanks for spending the time with me on the podcast today. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Um, if I could just quickly note, I'll be teaching geography of clothing again in fall of 2021. So if anyone who's listening is interested in uh, taking that class, I would love uh, I would love to see anybody there. So thank you. And I would also put a plug in for local and global sustainability. Uh, should be taught in spring of 2021. We'll see. It's it's very um, field trip oriented, and uh, so we'll just have to see how COVID. Uh, uh, how the pandemic is going at that point, if if that's going to be feasible, but definitely um, look out for that course. Okay, you might have me auditing your class. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love if that. I sneak in there. <laughs> Sounds very interesting. So thank you all for being with me today. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thought Provoking is a production of the College of Humanities and Social Sciences at Kennesaw State University in Kennesaw, Georgia just outside Atlanta. You can follow our college on Facebook or Instagram at K-S-U-C-H-S-S or visit our website at chss.kennesaw.edu. This is Shelley Kaiser, and I'll be back next month with another episode. Talk to you then.